Hey, what's up everybody? Ivan Otingra here. Thank you so much for joining me again on another episode of the English the Smart Way podcast. I'm really excited because today I'm talking to one of the founders and teachers of Learn Real English, Kristin Dodds. Kristin has more than 20 years of experience teaching English to speakers of other languages. She has taught English in South Korea, Thailand and Japan as well as in the United States. She has a CELTA certificate as well as a master's degree in TESOL, which of course stands for teaching English to speakers of other languages. Kristen Dodds with AJ Hogue and Joe Weiss run together Learn Real English, which helps students around the world becoming fluent and confident English speakers. The Real English Conversation Lessons which is the name of the course, teaches you English without focusing on grammar rules. Instead, you listen to real English conversations of native English speakers. This way, you will learn grammar subconsciously without even realizing it. In the first part of our interview, Kristin is sharing with us her challenging first experience in teaching English in South Korea and her soon realization that studying grammar to succeed in English isn't effective at all. Later in the interview, Kristin talks about acquiring language in the most natural way, by listening a lot, which is actually very similar to the way how children learn language. We also talk about how opening up to culture of a country can help us tremendously with our language learning. Christine then shares with us the success story of her Thai friend, her number one tip for English learners, and she also talks about the benefits of free voluntary reading. So let's dive right into the interview. This is Christine Dodds from Learn Real English. Here we go. What's up everybody? I'm super happy to bring on Christine Dodds from Learn Real English. She is one of the founders and teachers of Learn Real English. And uh, I have to say that I have discovered Learn Real English just about a year ago when my friend Massimo invited me to join his online conversation group. Uh, and, and Massimo told me about you, Christine, and uh, your great English course and how it has helped him to become fluent in English. And, you know, I wanted to experience how is the Learn Real English course like so I decided to join the course last summer. Today I'm really excited about our interview because I know that many of our listeners know you already and at the same time there are so many English learners who will meet you for the first time today. I believe everyone listening will learn something useful, practical and we will all get inspired. So thank you for being here, Christine and uh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ivan, and thank you for having me. I'm really happy that you accepted the invitation. And, you know, when I started podcasting, it was just an idea that maybe someday in, in the future we would have talk like this. So I'm, I'm really happy about this. <laughs> okay. So as, as, I, as I said, I know that many people from subscribers and uh, members of English the Smart Way know you already because they, uh, they joined the, your course and so on and so on. But anyway, there are many people who don't know you yet. So uh, 
Could you please tell us a bit about you, you know, your hobbies, your interests, anything, anything you like? Okay, sure. So I'll start off by saying I, I live in San Francisco, a very beautiful city here in the state of California on the uh, west coast of the United States. And I've been living here for nine, maybe almost 10 years at this point. Mm -hmm. And actually before moving to San Francisco, I was living in Thailand where I was teaching English. So I've been teaching English for 20, about 20 years now. And I've taught all ages, you know, from children, from kindergarten, actually up through into college age and then adults. And I started off by teaching in Korea. So I've, I've actually taught in Korea and Japan and Thailand. And I've done live seminars in Thailand and Malaysia. Mm. And I've also taught here in the United States, actually in the state of Georgia, which is in the southeastern part of the United States. It's right above Florida, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, which many people know Florida because of yeah. Disney World. So that's the state that I grew up in. So I've, I've taught adults in uh, Georgia. And then, you know, now I have uh, with Joe and AJ, we have Learn Real English together. So we teach our students our students are around the world. So because it's a, it's a internet based business. So, so, uh, some of my hobbies are being out in nature, traveling the, around the world. I love mm -hmm. traveling, learning about other cultures and meeting people in other countries, learn, you know, learning about their cultures. And I have a deep, passion for animals. So I've, I've volunteered at many different places with animals. In fact, I've even done this at times when I've traveled. For example, uh, one time Joe and I actually volunteered at an elephant sanctuary in northern Thailand. Mm. So we were helping do different things around the sanctuary to just to help maintain the sanctuary that these elephants that have been rescued from abusive situations where they are currently living in much, much better conditions. So that's a little bit about me. I wanted to go back and say, when I was speaking about Learn Real English and how our students are around the world, so they're actually adult students because our lessons are made more for adults and adults that also have at least an intermediate level oh, yeah. understanding of English. Yeah. Thank you for your introduction. And there are so many questions that are coming to my mind I would like to ask you. But uh, uh -huh. so, you know, where to start? So more than 20 years of teaching English yeah, in different age categories of your students. And, you know, what was your like a motivation to, you know, go into teaching? Well, it's kind of funny. My, my mom is actually, well, she was a teacher. She's retired now. She was a high school English teacher. And she always encouraged me growing up to, to become a teacher. And I never wanted to, probably because 
that's what she did. And I just, I wanted to do something different. So what I've always been very drawn or when I say drawn, I've always been um, very interested as I said a little while ago in other cultures and people from other countries. So it's, it's kind of, I guess it's, it's, uh, it makes sense to me why I got into teaching people from other countries, teaching them English. So what started this was an opportunity that I had right after I graduated from college with my bachelor's degree. I had an opportunity to go to Korea to teach English for a year. What interested me the most in doing this was actually to go live in another country. Mm. You know, I was very young. I was just out of college. So I really wanted to travel. And so that is what started me teaching English. I got to Korea and I didn't know anything about teaching English. I didn't know anything about teaching. I'd gotten my undergraduate degree in something completely unrelated you know, I was told that there would be a training to teach me how to teach. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And there really was not a training. <laughs> I was just put into the classroom and expected to teach. So I, I quickly learned things to do in the classroom. But after that, my time in Korea, I realized that I wanted to teach more in other countries, but I needed training to do that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I went back to Georgia, the state where mm -hmm. I grew up in, and started teaching adults there and taught them for a bit. And then I decided to go and get a teaching certificate. It was a one-month intensive program in um, Boston, so I went and did that one summer, and then I felt like I wanted more training. So a few years later, then I got my master's degree to teach, you know, English to speakers of other languages. So that's how that kind of started. <laughs> so, but your first experience was uh, with teaching English was in Japan, right? No, Korea. Oh, uh, sorry, Korea. Yes, yes, Korea. But it was a quite tough experience when you expected that uh, you will get some, um, how to say, training, some training in teaching, and, and you didn't get any. No. And and you know you know when you didn't have any training, what did you do? You know when you went to a class with children, and you know. Well, me and I think there were twenty teachers. They were mostly from North America, so they were they were from Canada and the United States. We would all kind of bounce ideas off of each other. Mm -hmm. That's an that's an idiom, bounce ideas. So meaning we would we would um, you know talk to each other and share ideas. Yeah. And it was hard. We would play a lot of games. We would teach through songs. Mm -hmm. That was really good with the younger children. Um, so Beatles songs are great because the lyrics are very easy and um, actually we would do Beatles songs with the with the older kids. But then, you know, children's songs in English, teaching those to the younger kids, they loved it. And so games, songs, we we were given books to use, these little grammar books. We would use those a lot. So I was actually teaching grammar then. 
you know, I no longer do that, but, yeah. um, yeah, so it was, it was very challenging. Yeah, I, I can imagine because, you know, <laughs> yeah. And so we mentioned that, uh, that time when you, uh, when you, when you taught English in, um, in Korea, you used grammar books because, because you were told to use those grammar books, right? Yes. Yes, we were told to. And we would have, the, some of the Korean staff would actually come around and look in our windows mm. on, you know, and into our classrooms to make sure that oh. we were teaching the way they wanted us to teach. Oh, interesting. So they wanted yeah. to have like a control over uh, how the... the very, mm-hmm. very much. Yeah, and that was a little intimidating and it, it was very frustrating for many of the teachers because we felt like we weren't, none of us were truly teachers and we hadn't been trained and the Korean staff, and this is, uh, this was just a big cultural difference. The Koreans, we would have meetings and the Korean staff would um, tell us in the meetings everything bad that we were doing with our teaching and they wouldn't have any suggestions. And so that just kind of, made the teachers angry yeah you know we we want we weren't used to uh being told what to do and you know with there was no positive reinforcement basically yeah and we felt like we couldn't really talk to the korean staff to suggest ideas because it's very much a hierarchical system Mm -hmm. so it was more like we're your boss Uh. we tell you this you do it Ah, okay yeah so it was it was not only that we didn't get trained well but there was a whole cultural difference too that made it very complex and challenging yeah 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 i can imagine huh Hmm. and it was your first experience in teaching and all together (laughs) yeah yeah so the good news is when i left and i moved back to Georgia and got the job teaching adults, it was very much a supportive environment and I could do whatever I wanted to do and was supported. It was the exact opposite of what I had experienced in Korea. So that part is good because I was a little hesitant after my experience in Korea to to teach anymore. Uh, Yeah, because of that bad experience you had and yeah, yes. Yeah. So when you when you were in, in Georgia, your students there were adults mostly. Yeah. Yes, they were all adults. And uh, what have you learned from uh, teaching adults? Yes. So with the adults, I was given again. I was given textbooks. Ah, mm-hmm. So we were using those because here again, I didn't really have any training to be teaching. I didn't know what to do. So we would just go through these grammar textbooks. And I was seeing that they weren't very effective, actually. I can remember this one guy. He was the sweetest guy. And he came up to me one day after class. He he didn't understand very much when I spoke. And his... English was very broken, but he had, he showed me this notebook where he had written down all of these sentences in English and he was trying to memorize them. 
And immediate, I didn't say anything to him, but I just realized this is just not effective. But, it, but I still didn't quite know how to teach. Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, what a good effective way would be to teach. I didn't quite have that knowledge yet. I got that knowledge when I was getting my master's degree and doing some research for my degree. And that's when I discovered a man named Stephen Krashen, and uh, as well as a man named James Asher. Stephen Krashen has a lot of research about um, a listen-first approach, and that's how children actually learn, or, or from, from being a baby, actually. That's how a baby into a child, and then, you know, as they grow, that's how yeah. a language is actually naturally acquired. Yeah. It's just listening, 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 a lot of listening. You know, I was just speaking to AJ the other day. He's visiting his family in Indiana right now. And he has two nephews that his sister and her husband adopted from China. And they're two years old. These two little Chinese boys are not even brothers. They were adopted from different places. AJ's sister has had them for about a year now. But he was telling me how they, they're really only saying yes and no, but he said it's so amazing how much they understand. Even though they're not speaking, they're only speaking a few words, they understand so much. So it's that, that's, it's that natural just listening, taking everything in. And uh, there was something else I was going to say. Oh, it's actually... I'm not, you know, I'm not quite sure at what age children start speaking. I can't recall that. But as AJ pointed out, these two little boys are two years old and they were in China until they were about one. So they've actually only been in America being exposed to English for about a year now. But it's still amazing how much they're understanding. Yeah. And just from listening yeah, and uh, being yes. in the environment and Yes, total immersion. And uh, with your master's, you focused on techniques of teaching English, right? Yes, in, in, uh, in a more natural way without teaching grammar. And that's, so that is carried over into Learn Real English. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we don't teach grammar at all. Yeah, 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 that's it. That's really a good point to mention that you don't actually teach grammar rules in your course. And uh, I believe that many people find this fact surprising because we, as students, uh, we are usually used to a traditional education system where grammar is often the number one thing that we focus on. So uh, could you please um, introduce to us your real English conversation lessons in a brief. Yeah. So basically, the real English conversations, it's 30 lesson sets. And in each of those sets is a conversation. Mm-hmm. It's a real conversation between two native English speakers. Mm-hmm. And at least one of those speakers is either me, Joe, or AJ. And then maybe we're having the conversation with each other, or maybe 
it's with someone else. Like there's one, for example, there's one conversation that I have with my mom. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's real native speakers having a conversation. And then there's a vocabulary lesson where it's, you know, any idioms or slang or words that are difficult to explain, they're explained in the vocabulary lesson then. Yeah. And then there's a mini story. It's a listen and answer method. Mm-hmm. That mini story then is done again. The same story is told again from different points of view. And what that means is they're told in different tenses. So there's not grammar being taught, but it's, it's there because the listen and answer stories are being told in different verb tenses. So you're, you're naturally automatically getting the grammar. Yeah. And you just, you don't realize you're not focusing so much on that. Yeah, yeah. The main techniques are the listen and answer method of the story, the mini stories and point of views. And then the listen first approach, you know, just listening. You, we, we recommend with our lessons, we call it deep listening, you know, repeating, mm-hmm. listening to the lessons, just listening to them as much as you can. So it goes deeper and deeper into your brain, into your mind. Yeah. It's like with children because they listen to the same phrases again and again. Yes, the the repetition. That's um, something that's really key with children. They're getting so much repetition over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, you mentioned that you also visited Thailand. So uh, what was your experience uh, in teaching English in Thailand? Again, it was not a great experience because at this point, I was finished with my master's degree, so I knew how I wanted to be teaching, but I was working at a private school. Mm-hmm. So I was teaching at the school that was teaching these students. It was like a study program for them to take the IELTS test. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of boring for me. There was a lot of grammar and, mm-hmm. you know, ways I just didn't really want to be teaching. So um, this was before me moving back to the United States and then a few years later starting Learn Real English. But, you know, it's interesting. While, while I was in Thailand, you know, living there, I actually had a really great experience. I, I met a Thai man and we started dating And when I first met him, his English level was very low. Like we could barely communicate because I, I could only say a few words in Thai. And he, I mean, he could speak enough in English to where we could understand each other. But it was difficult. It was challenging. And um, because he did speak more English than I spoke Thai, that's how we communicated. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I was... I was in Thailand living for two and a half years and we were together. I met him pretty soon after moving there. So we were together most of that time. And then he ended up coming here with me to the United States. So fast forward or jump ahead, uh, 10, 13 years. Is that right? Gosh, I guess, I guess that's about right. His English is unbelievable. He's still here in the United States and He's fluent now. He does have an accent, but you can to- you can completely understand him. 
And I'm just so proud of him and so amazed. We're, we're no longer together, but we're still friends. And I just am just so amazed at just from, you know, being in a relationship with me. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I started to say being immersed in the language. That's not so much the case because when we were in Thailand, obviously we're still in a, his country. Other than speaking to me in English, he spoke Thai everywhere else. And so I would say his English really took off. It, his English really increased when he moved here to the United States eight years, eight, nine years ago. Mm-hmm. And also, he couldn't read any English. He could not read or write any English. And now he's learning how to do that. And what's really helped him with that is texting people on his cell phone mm-hmm. or emailing people. Because, you know, a, a lot of people here text or email text especially we're just all too busy to call each other for some reason so we text so he wanted to fit into the culture in that way and so he's he's learned how to read and write english or i should say type it on his phone so he can he can uh text his friends but he can also he it's not just typing on his phone he can also write yeah 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 Wonderful. And I totally agree with you, you know, with, with improving in writing by writing, because uh, many people, um, when, we, the, when I receive messages from my subscribers, they, many of them ask me, you know, how can I write better English? And I always tell them, just write, you know, find some friends online, have a chat with them, because that's the way I learned. Oh, it is? Yeah, yeah. Because I went to school and I was using English there, but... Uh, you know, from writing articles, for example, uh, on my blog, that helped me so much to, you know, express myself in, in writing. Yes. You know, another another thing to do is, um, it's called free voluntary reading. Mm-hmm. So finding something, a topic, you know, literature on a topic that interests you, it could, it could be a magazine mm-hmm. or a, a book, whatever, and just reading as much as you can, you know, in English, and then kind of like with the listen first approach, eventually over time, if you're just reading and reading and reading in English, it's going to become kind of automatic where you're able to form the structures of sentences and be able to write. Yeah. 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 I totally agree with you. Hmm. And, you know, so so your Thai friend, he could first speak, I mean, first he listened to a lot of English, but uh, he learned how to write after he could speak in English, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah that came much later. I think it's because, you know, I've, I know from teaching in other countries and also speaking to people from other countries, a lot of times they learn how to read and write English in their public schools growing up. He left school, I think, at some point when he was in high school. So he didn't even finish. He didn't graduate. And, and he, was, he told me, too, he was a really bad student. He's an artist. The academic way of life was not for him. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so even if he had had English classes, I, and I think he said he did, he just didn't do well in them. And you know what's so funny? So he now has a Thai girlfriend. 
they're actually going to be married soon and she's going to be moving over here with him. She has a master's degree from a university in Thailand. So her reading and writing is much better than him, but her, her speaking ability is not. Uh-huh. I'm sure once she moves over here, if she really opens herself up to the language, yeah. you know, her, her speaking will get much better. And that's something else too. I think you have to have that interest in the culture and in the language to really open yourself up and, and it'll, it'll come. So with what, you know, my Thai friend, he had that from the beginning. He really was open to other cultures, not just America. It just so happened he met me, but he was selling jewelry that he made in a very touristy area of Bangkok. And he needed to learn English to be able to sell his jewelry to tourists because, you know, most everyone was speaking English. That's pretty much the language when you travel that other, you know, people speak. So he learned it that he started learning it for that reason. So he was driven for his business, but also he was very curious and interested in other cultures. And I, I say interested, I can remember he was so open when we would go eat. If I would take him to a restaurant in Bangkok that was more Western food, mm-hmm. he was open to try anything. And I remember some of his Thai friends would say to him, I don't know how you can eat that food. Like they would only want Thai food. <laughs> how do you eat a sandwich? Bread, yuck. What is that? <laughs> he was so open. And so I think that that really helps when you open yourself, you know, to whatever culture and language, whatever culture, whatever language you're trying to learn, if you really open yourself to the culture, it just helps tremendously. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree because it's connected language with the culture. Yes. And you know what I like about learning rural English, uh, about your course, is that you teach their idioms. And, uh, you know, there are so many, like, um, a stone's throw away, you know, something like, <laughs> you know, yeah. many phrases that, um, some of the phrases I learned there, I can identify them, that we use very similar phrases in our own language. But there, mm. are, there are so many that, uh, you know, they are, they are new to me. And it, it forms, how to say, it creates vision of your culture with, mm. with idioms. Yeah. Yes, well, that's the thing that sets us apart from a lot of teachers that teach with grammar or with a textbook. You know, a, a language is alive. It's driven by the culture and it's it changes. That's what I mean by it's alive. It's changing yeah. constantly. And so you don't get that piece of it from a textbook. Yeah. It's it, to me when you learn from a textbook and then if you let's say if you learn if I were to learn French from a textbook and then I went to France, you know, maybe I could speak to people but I would m- probably miss out on a lot of things that they they're saying because I wouldn't get that in the textbook. I wouldn't get real conversations. It would be a completely different experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, when I, you know, I studied English here in uh, in Slovakia, and we use textbooks, and I, I believe the textbooks are still used in, in schools here. And when I came to to England, I was like, "Oh, you are using different <laughs> phrases that I'm used to from from textbooks," <laughs> and uh, you know, and and. 
so I, I don't remember exact uh, words or exact phrases that we were taught in school back in Slovakia, but when I went to England and, and I, I had a chat with, with my friends there, and just, I just told them a few phrases that we were taught by textbooks in, in Slovakia, and they were like, mm, it's quite an old way to say this, we wouldn't say that. Maybe my, my <laughs> maybe my grandfather would use this phrase, and you know, right, I was right. like, I was okay, okay, that's interesting. Right? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say too. Like, it's a little, it could be a little bit outdated, even. Yeah. Yeah, because or, or, or very formal, even like English is so informal. But sometimes, like, if you're learning from a textbook, it can make it more formal than it is, or stiff and serious, yeah. and yeah, English is so informal. Yeah. And especially the last few years, or maybe 10 years, when information technology got so popular and people are communicating really fast and they cut words and uh, creating new words, you know, like, like selfie, you know, and yes. words that, that haven't been here. Uh, in a right. Time. Textbooks just can't keep up with uh, the, the speed of how our English evolves over the months no. and years. Yeah. no. Oh, I wanted to say something really quickly. I just said English is is so informal. I should make a correction and say that American English is very informal. I I obviously can't speak to British English or you know Australian English. I'm so American English is very informal. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh many learners when uh, they are in a phase when they are starting speaking English they, they don't know how to speak, so their first idea is to first think about the sentence in their native language and then translating the sentence to English and afterwards saying that sentence to another person. Yeah, so mm -hmm. sometimes we just uh, translate and then we say the, the sentence in English, but it, it has so many problems because if we translate and if we don't think in English, then uh, we can't be fluent and we can't react fast enough when we are in a conversation with someone. So my question would be, how can one start thinking in English and become fluent in it, if you have any ideas about it? So what I would first say is that if people are translating, then the level of English is maybe beyond their what they understand what they're able to understand what they're capable of understanding so you know it goes back to the listen first approach mm -hmm. and it's a time consuming process it's an investment of time for sure but if you really want to start automatically thinking in english it's it's a matter of listening to massive amounts mm. of English. Mm. When I say massive, I mean large amounts. You've got to put in the time so it's deep learning. And then with more and more time put in of listening, it becomes automatic and there isn't that delay of trying to translate it. Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 sure. So deep learning and absorbing a lot of English and yes. talking when we are ready to talk, right? 
Yes, exactly. Yes. And, and so many times people put pressure on themselves to talk. And that's so unnatural. And that can be too where, you know, you, it, could, it could be when people freeze up, freeze up, you know, they, they can't think and maybe they start trying to translate. Maybe they're, they're getting really anxious, like they're feeling like they need to perform even. Mm-hmm. So just being easy on yourself, uh, this would be my advice to, for people to be easy on themselves and not feel like they have to perform or mm-hmm. speak before they're ready to. And just getting, just getting the listening in, you know, putting the time in to really listen. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Kristen... What would be your number one tip for English learners around the world? I would say the number one tip would be to stop studying grammar and focus on listening and, and to try this for at least one year mm. and see how it goes. That's a challenge. Yeah, it is. And, you know, honestly, Yvonne, this approach is not for everyone. You know, some people really want to study grammar, and that's fine if that's how, if they really resonate with that approach, that method, you know, resonate if they really, uh, if they really like that, that way of learning, then that's fine. But if what has been spoken about today in this interview appeals to any of you, then that would be my number one tip. Stop studying grammar and focus on listening. And try it for at least one year. Yeah, love it. Yeah, great. <laughs> Thank you very much, Christine. And uh, yeah. where can people learn more about you and about your work, about your course and you know anything else? Yeah, so you can learn more about me. And remember, it's not just me. There's two other people, AJ Hogue and Joe Weiss. We are Learn Real English, the three of us. So you can learn more about us through Yvonne's podcast site. So it's EnglishTheSmartWay.com forward slash Kristen. And Kristen is spelled K. R-I-S-T-I-N. And you can find us through uh, Ivan's podcast site because he's an affiliate of ours. Thank, thank you very much, Christine. And uh, I know that you also offer a free seven-day video course. So maybe if you could tell our listeners about this free course. Oh, yeah. So... If you go to the uh, link that I just said, you will be taken to our homepage, Learn Real English's homepage. And if you can read about us on our homepage, obviously. And there's also at the bottom of the page, if you scroll all the way to the bottom, there's a place where you can sign up for um, our free seven-day email course. So what that means is if you sign up, if you choose to put in your email information, you will receive an email every day for seven days 
And each of those days, you'll get a free English tip. So it's completely free, and you can unsubscribe at any time. And you'll also, not only will you get a free English tip, but you'll learn more about real English conversations. All right. Uh, thank you very much, Christina. I, I really appreciate that you taking the time to be with us today. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that, that we could have this conversation today. Well, thanks so much for inviting me. It was really fun doing the interview with you. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Christine from Learn Real English. If you want to check out Learn Real English, you can check it out through my affiliate link, which is englishthesmartway.com forward slash Christine. That way you will support English the Smart Way project. Again, that's englishthesmartway.com forward slash Christine. You can get the show notes, full transcript of this podcast episode and the links to the resources mentioned in this show as always as englishthesmartway.com forward slash session 6. You will also find there the link to my personal review of Real English Conversation lessons because I've been using these lessons personally. Again, the show notes are available at englishthesmartway.com forward slash session 6. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate you listening in and I look forward to serving you with the next podcast show. Until then, keep pushing forward. Keep working on your English. It's one of those things that it's amazing to master. Every little step in English we take can bring us so much joy and success in all other areas of our lives. And fluent English is definitely worth that work that we need to put in. So take care and I will see you in the next episode. Bye.